Our scripture reading this morning is from John 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of the Lord. Dear Lord, may your Holy Spirit give Pastor Andrew the words you want us to hear. May your Holy Spirit make us receptive to those words. And may we leave here more grateful than we have ever been for our great salvation and more inspired by the Holy Spirit to live our lives for your glory and to spread the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I'm gonna position myself here just to avoid all of the clutter, uh, the beautiful clutter. It's a you catastrophe, correct? So where are we now? That's what I titled the sermon. We're coming to week 12. We've been looking at all of these various people who have been flocking to Jesus. Uh, if you remember, we started all the way back with the Magi. Uh, we have looked at folks like Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, the, uh, the sinful woman of Luke 7. We've looked at Levi or Matthew, uh, just blind Bartimaeus last week, person after person, story after story. Uh, of people that found their way to Jesus, or in some cases, Jesus found his way to them, and, and they responded. Their, their eyes were open, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. Uh, their hearts uh, surrendered to this one who they recognized before he had died, uh, before he had risen, who they recognized as the Messiah, the one who had come to save them. As I mentioned earlier, there were lots of would-be messiahs, uh, and, and some of them were even crucified for their crusades, for their proclamations, but there was only one uh, that ever rose from the dead. And, and you can see the evidence of that here, like, when we come and we talk about the Christian faith, can say a lot of things about it. Uh, some may be skeptical, some may be, uh, you may be offended by the Christian faith, but one thing that, that cannot be uh, controverted is that it has made a difference. Uh, 
Uh, it has impacted this world like nothing else has ever impacted this world. This morning, we are going to take a look at our last portrait, and it is the person of Thomas. Some of you know him as Doubting Thomas. Uh, Thomas always appears in character, as it were, throughout the Gospels. You know, when Jesus says we're going to Jerusalem, Thomas is like, yep, let's go along with him so that we might die with him. Uh, he is uh, just a cheery fellow, uh, good to have around. You know, when, when Jesus is talking, he, he says, you know, I'm going to, to show you the way. Lord, we don't even know where you're going, Thomas says. How can we possibly know the way? And here in this last encounter that we are going to look at, we have famously uh, Thomas's doubt. And I want us to just stand here for a moment because we've asserted that, that Jesus has risen from the dead. We started the service with it. We've been singing about it throughout the service. Uh, this is the fact of, Christian, of the Christian faith. It's not simply a good idea. It's not simply a resurrection of faith. There's no power in that. You know, if you think about the first Christians as they were going around and they're meeting people under the subjugation of Rome and poverty and all of these things, and they say, here, I've got a message for you. You know, Jesus died, but let's just imagine that he rose from the dead, and may that be an encouragement to you. Uh, may, that, may that give you some hope. People would have said, forget it. Like that, there's nothing in that. But they came with a message that said, no, this one who we saw as a Messiah actually rose from the dead. You can have hope. And that's the message that continues to come forward. The question is, what will we do with it? And that has been, you know, the question that's been threading its way through this entire series. All of these people, they found their way to Jesus from so many different places, so many different backgrounds, so many different stories, so many different struggles, and they found themselves in the place of belief. Will Thomas, will we find ourselves in the place of belief with the resurrected Lord and Savior? Just a couple of observations for you. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, everybody has a different story. Uh, you, you see that, we've already kind of highlighted that as we've, we've thought, recalled just the different folks that we've studied over the course of this series. But you see it even in John chapter 20. We had that marvelous reading. Thank you for reading those of you who did. I love to hear the different voices uh, reading those stories. Uh, but, you know, you think about the people just in John chapter 20, this chapter that we're in this morning, you've got... Peter and John, you've got Mary Magdalene, you've got the disciples all gathered together. And notice how Jesus deals with each of them differently. You know, with Peter and John, they, they get the news that, that Jesus has risen and they run to check it out. It's interesting, uh, this is one of the places where knowing a little Greek can help you. Uh, in verses 5, 6, and 8, uh, the English translation is they saw they, they saw the empty tomb, they saw the grave clothes lying there, and you know, then John went in and he saw it again. It's actually three different Greek words. 
Uh, you got Blepo and Idon, the first and the third, and then you've got Theoreo, which is the second one. So Peter's seeing is different than the other th- seeing, and it's the word that we get theorizing with. You know, Peter was examining it. Peter was looking at, like, here are these grave clothes, they're lying here. Here is this linen cloth for the head. What is going on? Now, you would think the disciples would have had some clue. Jesus, after all, had said a number of times that he was going to be, uh, he was going to die and he was going to rise again on the third day. What day was it? It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, it's the third day. Maybe this is what Jesus said. But, but, but Peter has this this journey that he has to go through, he has to examine, he has to sift through the evidence, as it were, and, and realize what Jesus has said. Mary is very different. Mary is in the garden. Uh, Mary has an attachment to Jesus. Uh, there is a, a personal encounter, uh, whether she had been delivered from the demons or exactly which Mary is which is sometimes hard to figure out. Uh, but she had had a, a very personal relationship with Jesus. And so when she's there weeping, 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 and she meets Jesus and she thinks he's the gardener, and he says to her, Mary. And she knew then. It wasn't evidence that she needed. You know, the Lord spoke to her heart. And she responded, recognizing who Mary is. Each person is a little bit different. And we've seen that along the way. Nicodemus had to chew on it. It's not until, you know, he is introduced to the fact, he's challenged, he's invited in. It's not until Jesus actually dies that he takes him down and and we see he's come to a place of belief. He's out of the night and into the light. The disciples, they, they receive peace. You know, they all scattered. We looked at that on Thursday night. They all scattered. What were they thinking? What would their master say to them when he came? What did they need to hear? They needed to hear shalom. Peace be with you. God knows exactly what we need. uh, And he meets us in those places. And the same is true for Thomas. Now, we have called Thomas a doubter. If any of you know uh, Thomas, you probably know him as Doubting Thomas. Uh, A couple of things about that, and this is our second point. Uh, Doubts are are prevalent throughout the story of the disciples especially. And there's something encouraging about that because we don't have everything all buttoned up. Uh, Preachers don't have everything all buttoned up. We don't have the answers to all the questions. We have, you know, lack of knowledge, gaps there. We have doubts uh, just as much as the next person may or may not. We, we have questions. We have doubts. We see that with the disciples. I mean, just what we've been talking about. Why didn't they know? <laughs> Did they not believe? I mean, Jesus told them specifically he was going to raise again on the third day, and yet they're scratching their heads. Like, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening? You know, Jesus was dead, and now he's not there. There wasn't a complete sense of clarity on their behalf. It's interesting, even in Matthew 28, 
Matthew 28, when Jesus is um, ascending into heaven, you have this, this statement it's in verse 17. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. You're like, what? What, what are you doubting at this point? What, what is it? Jesus has been with you for 40 days. You've eaten with him. He's appeared to Thomas. He's been appeared in all of this. There, there is this sense of doubt that, that continues to pervade their journey. Maybe they were doubting whether you know, God was giving them everything they needed or, or doubting the wisdom of Jesus going back into heaven. How are we going to carry it out now? My point is, and I think part of the reason this is in the scriptures, is that doubts uh, are not uncommon. Uh, and, and as we encounter them in, the, in our Christian life, we should not feel that we are the only person that has ever had doubts, or we should not feel that this is fatal to our discipleship. Doubts are a part of the journey. Part of realizing this is recognizing that, that doubts and unbelief are not exactly the same thing. Sometimes we, we take belief or faith and we put it opposite of doubt. That, that's not technically right. You know, faith or belief, its opposite is unbelief. Doubt is somewhere in the middle. Uh, some of you have had that experience of stepping off a dock into a boat and you have that uncomfortable moment where you're straddling. Uh, and, and you've got to make a decision. You're going to go in the boat or you're going to get back on the dock uh, because if you don't, you're going to do the splits uh, and probably end up in the water. That's a little bit of the situation of doubt. It, it, it's caught in between. You, you've got to move one direction or the other. So I've said doubts are not fatal. They're actually part of the journey uh, for those of us in, in discipleship, particularly some of you may be newer with regards to the faith and examining the claims of Christ, all of those things. Uh, doubt shouldn't frighten you, but uh, we can continue on through there. But eventually, we have to move in a direction and we have to find our footing. While I say that doubts are not fatal, we do have to be careful with doubts because there, there can be things underneath them in various different ways. For instance, some of you may be dealing with trauma in your life. Uh, you've grown up uh, you know, just under terrible scourge of relationships, physical, mental abuse, and so it's hard for you to trust at all. Uh, you need to recognize that about yourself, and you need to recognize that, you know, some of my doubt may be due to some of my hurt, and how do I move past that, or how do I move through that, finding, you know, people along the way that can help you manage that. You know, some of it, uh, some of our doubts are, are just a, a lack of exposure, 
to, to some of the truths of the gospel or some of the truths about Christianity. I'm speaking specifically about doubts of that. Or maybe it's a false exposure. A lot of times you, you doubt a message, but it's not actually the Christian message. You know, it's something that is, is sub-Christian or is um, a, 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 um, uh, a messed up version of that. It could, be, um, it could be ingratitude. You know, some of you reg- remember the words of Fyodor Dostoevsky who said that, that humanity is the ungrateful biped. Uh, and, and that is one of the things that we have to recognize is that maybe underneath our doubts it is a lack of gratitude, a lack of willingness to accept you know, and, and that's very closely connected to pride. And, and this is where I think Thomas actually is a little bit in danger because notice what Thomas says. He says, unless I put my, my fingers in his hands and my hands in his side, I will not believe. You know, Peter, or Thomas doesn't say, I cannot believe. I'm struggling to believe. He says, I will not. And that is the the really dangerous point of where our doubts can lead us. They they can lead us to where we become the absolute arbiters of truth. You know, what we will, what we won't, we have put ourselves then in the place of God and we have moved from doubt to unbelief. So doubt is not fatal, but doubt does need to be dealt with seriously. Doubt also needs to be dealt with gently. Jude says this, uh, Jude 22, his little letter. You know, this is uh, the early days of the Christian faith. And, And one of the things that Jude says, I mean, he says, you know, contend for the faith, but he also says, deal gently with those who doubt. Uh, and, and this is just a word to us as the church. You know, we see how Jesus deals with Thomas here. Jesus deals with all of these folks individually as they need. You know, I don't know why Thomas wasn't with the disciples the first time Jesus appeared to them. It's interesting, some commentators have taken this as an occasion to say, make sure you are in church every time the doors are open because you never know when Jesus is going to be there and you are going to miss him. I'm not exactly sure that that is the primary purpose of that. There may have been a very good reason why Thomas wasn't there uh, but uh, the, the point is that sometimes we're just in a different place. A- and Jesus deals so mercifully with Thomas, a- and he calls us to deal with doubters in our midst mercifully as well. Here's how J.C. Ryle, a commentator, uh, just uh, Uh, reflects on this he says what a wonderful example Jesus here gives to all his people how kind we ought to be to weak brethren and how ready to take any pains and trouble if only we can do them good the Christian of modern times and so this is Ryle writing a couple hundred years ago so those were his modern times but it hasn't changed much who is ready to excommunicate everyone who cannot speak his particular shibboleth or his particular uh, hobby horse, 
uh, and see every point of doctrine and ceremony with, with his own particular viewpoint. The Christian who is ready to turn away from every brother or sister who is overtaken in a fault as graceless, godless, and unconverted, such a Christian may flatter themselves that they are very zealous and faithful, but they are a Christian who has not got the mind of Christ. What Christ did for Thomas, we ought to be ready to do for others. You know, there, there is such a pattern here for us in terms of dealing with doubt. Doubt is prevalent. Uh, doubt has many different fountains, uh, and, and we need to be careful of it. But we also need to deal mercifully with those who doubt or who are in struggling. A couple of other things. Uh, thirdly, inspection is invited. You know, Jesus, as we've already said, he, he knows Thomas. Remember earlier when we were reading through the Gospels, it says Jesus who knew what was in the heart of every man. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in my heart. He knows what we need. And he invites Thomas, you know, okay. I knew what you said. You may not have been there, but I was there to hear what was in your lips and also emanating from your heart. Go ahead. Put your fingers in my hands. Put your hand in my side. Thrust it in my side. Uh, and don't disbelieve, but believe. Jesus is willing to withstand uh, our questions, our probings, all of those things. He's not afraid of it. He's not beneath it. Yeah, this is amazing here. I mean, this is the risen, glorified Lord. I, this fact struck me this week more than it has in the past. Here is the risen, glorified Lord. Here is the one who has passed through the Holy of Holies and is now the embodiment of the Holy of Holies. And he is asking Thomas, he is inviting Thomas, go ahead, touch my hands. Can you believe that? You know, what a Lord and Savior we have. He does not, he is not below the inquiries and the doubts and, and the frailties that we have, but he invites them. You know, none of this, his resurrection, none of it was done in a corner. You know, we read that passage from 1 Corinthians where it talks about the resurrection and Jesus appeared to this person and he appeared to that person and then he appeared to uh, 500, many of whom are alive today and he appeared to all of these people and he gives them the name. The reason why it, it's so detailed like this is this is the way that they did historiography at that time. They named names of people who were alive. They said, you can go check this out nothing that Jesus did as a resurrected Lord was done in secret they have never found a body uh, Jesus was was risen he appeared to all of these people and he says if you don't believe come test it test it I I can withstand it look at the evidence look at uh, the impact that it it has had on the world following me don't disbelieve but believe and that's exactly what Thomas does notice lastly that as he examines the evidence his conditions fall away 
You, know, you see what's missing in this account here in John with Thomas? The minute Jesus says this to him, you know, Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. What's missing? Did he ever put his fingers in the hands? His hand in the side? We're not told that he did. The presumption is, is that he didn't need to. The love of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the peace that Jesus brought to this hard-hearted, uh, disbelieving disciple, it melted everything into surrender. My Lord and my God. What, what a profession. You know, you can just feel everything wrapped up with it. The amazement, the delight, the repentance, uh, the adoration, the worship, everything wrapped up in my Lord and my God. My God, the one who created the world, the one who is holy, the one who is supreme, the one who is deserving of all my worship, my Lord my commander, my captain, my boss, the one who is worthy of all my fealty, all of my duty and service and gives me purpose and meaning as I go out into this life. It is the perfect encapsulation of what it means to be a disciple who has surrendered to Jesus. So where are we now? Where are you now? What is your heart's disposition toward the risen, conquering Son? There are a lot of people who have gone into the grave, but there is only one who has ever come out. And he comes out knowing, perceiving, uh, realizing who you are and what you need and he invites you to come put your hand fingers as it were into my hands thrust your hand into my side examine the evidence examine the reality of of me in the life of people that you know and respect but don't disbelieve but believe my lord and my god May that be all of our profession this Easter morning. Will you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, yet another vignette that, that speaks to us of truth, that speaks to us of, of reality, of grace. It speaks to us of the cost of your love. You went to the grave. You came out of the grave. You continue to subject yourself to the questions of your disciples, but you do it because you have loved us and you are calling us further up and farther in. I pray for all of us here this morning, especially for those who doubt. May there be mercy and may there be grace, even as we come together under your word this morning. Bless us now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.